We're still in the offseason, but we're going to still talk some hockey. Episode number 24 of the N10 Puck Talk podcast for TheBreakdownSports.com. I'm Thomas Vesio, as always, with Andrew Flager and Joseph Caruso. How's it going, boys? I lost Joe first since I asked uh, Flager last episode. Uh, everything's all right. Uh, this past weekend, just went home again, chilled out, enjoyed the nice weather, did some fucking stats homework. I hate <laughs> stats. I always struggle with stats. It's not fun. Uh, but yeah, I didn't really do too much this weekend. Again, just chilled, did some homework. School's almost done. I only got less than three weeks left before I'm finally off for the summer. Yep. Got a couple weeks to just chill, play some golf. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you, Joe. I'm almost on school now, too. This weekend, I was at a pig festival on Saturday night. So that was fun. I had some pig, fresh pig. Uh, it was pretty <laughs> good. some porkers? I got, I got porked. <laughs> 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 uh yeah no it was a good time though it rained though saturday night so i was like camping out in a tent um so the tent got all wet so i was sleeping uh in a puddle all night but (laughs) okay that was sort of rough okay so what you're saying is you had a rough weekend i guess no it was it was a good time it was all right it was fun got down and dirty like i said i got i got porked at the pig fest (laughs) (laughs) okay well you know we know flag you're always uh tries to do that every weekend so uh yeah we'll get to the hockey news now we're going to talk about a trade it could be a lopsided one depending on how you view it what team got what player flagger seems otherwise but we will tell you the trade right now milan lucic has been traded to the calgary flames in exchange for james neal uh your thoughts before we go in depth with all the stats from lucic and neal uh we'll go to joseph and then we'll go to flagger uh, for his opinion on the trade yeah, I know Flager has a way different opinion than me and Thomas for this one. I think this is an absolute win. <laughs> like that Hulk meme from the Avengers. For the Oilers. So this is an absolute right? win for the Oilers. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, absolute win for the Oilers. They got rid of Lucic, who is a fucking pylon. Uh, I know Neil really struggled last year with with Calgary. Yeah. Um, he did. He was injured. He only scored seven goals, but... It just wasn't a good fit right from the get-go for Neil. Uh, Lucic is, has the worst contract in the league, I think. He always, he seems to be getting worse and worse every season. So I just see this as a win for the Oilers. They can get someone who could possibly play with McDavid's, maybe get back to his 20-goal form. Lucic, I have no clue who he's going to play with, how he's even going to keep up with like Johnny Gaudreau or players like that. So I think this is just a good trade for the Oilers. It's kind of a bad contract for bad contract, but I can see Neil really bouncing back after this one down year. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree that I think the Oilers did win the trade. I think that the Oilers probably could have, uh, or I mean the Flames could have asked for a little bit more for James Neal, I think. But I will say that James Neal was not a good fit for the Flames. They brought him in as a third-line winger. Mm -hmm. That's That's not his role like he's not used to playing that role Lucic is a third line uh winger so now that the flames are bringing Lucic onto the flames roster uh he could hopefully he'll fulfill third line role I know he's not a great player but it's probably a better fit than having Neil play third line agree on uh, that, yeah. it's a good trade for the Oilers though because now they have a line right winger in James Neal who I know he had he struggled last season but again I think he only struggled because he was fulfilling a role that he's not used to playing I think now that he'll be back playing on a in the top six forwards on the Edmonton Oilers, I think he'll he'll do well. I think this season and hopefully um, he'll like do do some damage with the Edmonton Oilers. 
Yeah, so I'll read out the stats quickly. Uh, Lucic had 20 points, 6 goals, 14 assists, and 79 games last year. Uh, his 6 goals were the fewest he has scored in 12 NHL seasons, and his 20 points tied the fewest his NHL career. Neil, on the other hand, for the Flames, had 19 points, 7 goals, 12 assists, and 63 games. In his first fi- first season of a 5-year deal, he signed with Calgary on uh, July 2nd, 2018. Uh, the 31-year-old did not have a point in 4 playoff games against the Colorado Av- Avalanche. He was scratched from Game 5 for his poor play, so not ending on a good note for James Neal and the Calgary Flames. But I think that, again, like you guys said, I think Neal can definitely bounce back, either playing with McDavid or Dreisaitl next season. I think he might get 20 goals again because he has done that in his NHL career before last season. So hopefully we see a better season from Lucic and a better season from Neal uh, next year. All right, so the next trade that happened over the past week was another one-for-one of 31-year-olds, Artem Anisimov has been traded to the Ottawa Senators in exchange for Zach Smith. Uh, I don't know what you guys feel about this one. I think this is a, a better deal for the Senators just because I think Anisimov's a better player than Zach Smith. But, yep. of course, cheap-ass Melnick over there had to wait for Anisimov's, I think, signing bonus or some yep. sort of bonus had to be paid by the Blackhawks before the trade even happened. Mm-hmm. So... I think this is a decent trade for this, like both teams, but I think the Senators kind of edged out the Blackhawks on this one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have thoughts on it. I think, I guess, I would say Anisimov is the better player as well. Like, I agree with you, Joe, but, like, I don't have too many words to say for this trade. Uh, both of the players have two years uh, left on their contract. So, Zach Smith going to the Hawks, two more years on his deal, and Anisimov going back to the Senators, two years on his deal. Anisimov, um, I was going to say something about Anisimov. Anisimov, okay, is, Anisimov's cap hit is a bit higher than Zach Smith, so that helps the Senators get to the cap floor. They need to get to the cap floor, or so they will not be, they'll be penalized with the cap suspension. I don't know how that's going to work, but uh, yeah, so the trade is Anisimov for Zach Smith. Uh, next news of the day is a signing, Flager, you can mention it. Yeah, so the Rangers are busy again making some moves. Jacob Truba agreed to a seven-year, $56 million contract with the Rangers, New York Rangers. Uh, Truba had an NHL career high, 50 points, 8 goals, 42 assists, and 82 games for the Winnipeg Jets last season. And he had one assist in six Stanley Cup playoff games. Truba was traded to New York on June 17th for defenseman Neil Pionk and a first-round pick, um, which was the 20th pick yep. uh, in the 2019 NHL draft. So Rangers making some moves. Um, what do you guys think about that? I think I think it's kind of what he's worth. No, do you guys agree? Um, I definitely think that Truba can, uh, with the eight million dollar price tag. I think he can grow into that price tag. Maybe not right now. He's worth eight million, but he's definitely gonna be worth eight million one day. Uh, Jacob Truba has all the assets to get to an $8 million defenseman in the National Hockey League. He's right-handed. He gets a lot of points in a season, and he's definitely going to be a big part of the Rangers' defenseman, defensive core and the offensive core uh, for the Rangers going into the future, where I think they might even make the playoffs next year. So, yeah, I think it's a good deal for the future and for Jacob Truba as a player in the National Hockey League. Yeah, I think this is a pretty good deal for Truba, too. Uh, I think $8 million is a little bit high right now, but he is automatically the number one D on that uh, up-and-coming team as Thomas mentioned so I think he's going to even put up more points in the future in the near future with the Rangers and just kind of complement that nice forward core that they got over there 
So uh, the next signing we got here, uh, Brock McGinn agrees to a two-year, $4.2 million contract with the Hurricanes. McGinn had 26 points, 10 goals, 20, 16 assists, and 82 regular season games with the Hurricanes, as well as 6 points, 2 goals, 4 assists, and 15 Stanley Cup playoff games. He did score the double overtime winning goal in Game 7 of the first round in the Eastern Conference playoffs against the Washington Capitals. That gave their Hurricanes their first playoff victory since 2009. Yeah, pretty good signing for the Carolina Hurricanes there. Flager, do you have any thoughts on this one? No surprises. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right, next signing. Jakob Rana signs a two-year deal with the Capitals worth $3.35 million per season. 23-year-old was an RFA, and he had an NHL career high with 24 goals, 23 assists, and 47 points, and was a plus 20 in 82 regular season games. But he did have no points in seven games for the Capitals, so that's a bit disappointing for Verana. But uh, we'll mention a former Cap news. He signed for the Colorado Avalanche, Joe. Burkowski, he signed a one-year contract with the Avalanche. He had an okay season last year, a bit of a step back. 25 points, 12 goals, 13 assists in 76 games with the Capitals, as well as two points, one goal, one assist, and seven Stanley Cup playoff games. Another a, signing. Oh, it's like, yeah, sorry, I one. just wanted to say I'm, I was a big Burkowski fan in the playoffs last year. Um, I think I took him in our, in our playoff pool, uh, but he kind of had an offseason. I'm not surprised that he signed a one-year contract with the Avs because he had not a great season at all. Mm-hmm. I think this yeah. could be like a prove-it season, possibly, for him. Anyone want to read the other Avalanche news? Flager, go for it. All right. Uh, Confer signed a four-year contract with the Avalanche. He had an NHL career high in goals with 16 assists, 16 and points, 32, and 66 games with the Avs last season, and six points, four goals, two assists, and 12 Stanley Cup playoff games. All right, now we got Oscar Sundquist here. Greased a four-year contract with the Blues for AAV of $2.75 million. 40 points, 16 goals, 24 assists, and 144 regular season games with the Penguins and Blues so far in his career, as well as nine points in 27 playoff games. And rounding up the NHL hockey news, Neil Pionk agrees to a two-year contract with the uh, Winnipeg Jets worth an annual value of $3 million per season. The right-handed shot defenseman had an NHL career high 26 points, 6 goals, 20 assists, and 73 games with the Rangers last season. Uh, just one more quick news. It's, it's Leaf news. I want to mention it. Uh, Michael Neuvert signed a PTO with the team, so he's probably going to be battling for the backup job with Garrett Sparks heading into next year. So, yeah, that's that's the NHL news for this episode, episode number 24. This podcast is brought to you by TheBreakdownSports.com. Are you into prop betting or daily fantasy sports, or maybe both? I have some great news for you. TheBreakdownSports.com is partnering with a brand new company that combines daily fantasy sports with player props called Thrive Fantasy. It's really fun, and they're the first of its kind. The way it works is you enter contests using your own lineup made of prop bets. The more prop bets you guess correctly, the more points you get and the greater chance you have at winning money. If you deposit $10 now using our link in the description, Thrive Fantasy will match your deposit with free $10 credit. Use our link and try it out now. We will get to our favorite NHL teams of all time. Um, So this is going to be the segment we did a vote, I think, two weeks ago now. And we voted for a topic to decide which topics we're going to talk about for the rest of the offseason. So we have three Mine was the um, Would You Rather segment, and now this is Flagger's segment of favorite NHL teams. 
Next week, we'll talk about free agent signings and the best. And uh, I think, what, what was it, Joe? The best recent free agent. Recent 10 years. Or yeah, yeah 10 recent years. since like 2010, I believe. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about that next episode. But now we will talk about our favorite NHL teams of all time. So if anyone wants to explain how we're going to do this or read their team, go for it. Basically, what we did is we each picked three teams um, like from a specific season. So, for example, uh, I picked... One of the teams that I picked was uh, the 2009-2010 Chicago Blackhawks. Um, so, like, we're being very specific about it, and we'll just read off, um, like, stats of the team, uh, why they're our favorite team, one of our favorite teams of all time, and um, some other interesting, uh, like, stats and, and um, like, moments. Like facts. Yeah, like, yeah. Mo- yeah, f- yeah, favorite yeah. moments, stuff like that, everything. Uh, so, Joe, why don't you start off? All right, so th- I don't think this is in any particular order. I don't know about you guys, but mine's No, I don't just... I don't have okay. like I couldn't tell you who my favorite of all time would be, but I just have like three that I can name off the top of my head that Yeah. Are my favorite. So, so Joe, yeah, take it away. Okay, so the first team I picked here was the 2017-2018 Washington Capitals. They had a record of 49-26 and 7 and won the Stanley Cup that season. Their leading scorer during the season was Alex Ovechkin, 49 goals, 38 assists for 87 points. Leading scorer during the playoffs, Evgeny Kuznetsov, 12 goals, 20 assists for 32 points. And the Smythe went to their captain, Alex Ovechkin. So why do I like the Capitals so much? Well, it has to mostly do with one player, and that is Alex Ovechkin. He is one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, one of the best goal scorers ever. I don't care what anyone says. He is, like, if he is, if not the best goal scorer of all time, any era. Don't care what anyone says. Um, so, yeah, so I'm really happy uh, Washington won the cup that year. Uh, Ovechkin was always uh, plagued with playoff demons and failure. He was always blamed. I've mentioned this in a couple pods already. Why I think this is my favorite, uh, like, Washington Capitals team. Mm-hmm. So, Ovechkin won. He was so happy. He deserved it so much. Uh during that season, actually, he scored his 600th career goal, and he became, I think, the third fastest player in NHL history, something like that, to score mm-hmm. 600 goals. Um, some memorable moments during that playoff run. They finally beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. That was the third year in a row where they played the Penguins in the second round, and they finally beat them in Game 6. Kuznetsov scored an OT. Yep. Um also, when they faced off against the Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals, they were down 3-2 hmm. at home, and they shut out the Lightning in Game 6 and 7 to advance to the Stanley Cup Final, which I thought was amazing, considering how good Tampa was that season. And uh, obviously, going back to Ovechkin, he scored 15 goals during that playoff run, which was one of the highest in NHL playoff history. I think the record is 18 yeah, or 17 by Gretzky. Um, and then obviously the celebrations that occurred after they won the cup, Ovechkin getting hammered every day, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he swimming was, in he the was fountain. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was so fun to see. He deserved it. Sleeping with the cup. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, once he won it, he was never letting that thing go. And like all the power to him, he deserved it. He's one of the best players in NHL history. And, uh, yeah, my favorite moment from that specific season was, in game two, I think it was like within the last minute and a half or so, there was a one-time pass set up to Alex Tuck and Holpe absolutely robbed him yep. to tie the game up for Vegas. And he had like it was like a paddle save on the ice. 
and they showed Ovechkin on the bench and he was like covering his eyes. Like he just couldn't believe how close that was for that lead to slip away because Vegas was really coming on in that game, that period. So Holpe shut the door and then the Caps won that game to get back into the series 1-1 and they never looked back. So yeah, that is my favorite first team so far. Uh, we'll go to me now. And <laughs> this might be a surprise to people listening to the pod if you guys do listen or click the link if we, yeah, we send it all the time. Anyways, um, 2013-14 Toronto Maple Leafs is actually one of my favorite teams to watch. And why are they... Well, I'll tell you why. The record was 38-36-8. They didn't qualify for the playoffs. I know that. Their leading scorer was Phil Kessel with 37 goals, 43 assists, and 80 points. He was my favorite player at that time on the Maple Leafs, so that is why uh, I picked him as my favorite player because he led the team in points for many, many years, led them in scoring for many, many years, and people still shit on him when he comes to Toronto and boom. I don't get that, but yeah. But why was this my favorite team? I'll tell you why. The acquisitions of Dave Boland, David Clarkson, Mason Raymond, and Jonathan Bernier in the offseason really gave, really gave Leafs fans a lot of excitement heading to the new season where they were hoping to finally turn a page in the playoff demons where they, uh, yeah, we don't want to mention it, but the Game 7 the previous year, they lost the Bruins in overtime, sadly. And this was like kind of like hope that the Leafs, you know, they're actually going to go for it. They're actually going to acquire big players like these who's had playoff success in the future. Mason Raymond went to the finals with the Canucks one year. Dave Boland won the Stanley Cup three times with the Chicago Blackhawks. Jonathan Bernier was part of that Los Angeles Kings 2012 team. So it gave a lot of hope for these fans trying to make the playoffs this year. Didn't go well. They finished the season off 2-12, and fell off an 18-wheeler off the cliff, did not make the playoffs. But that's why the Leafs were my favorite team. I watched... I would be lying to you if I, if I said I missed the Leaf game that year. I watched every single minute of every single game in that season. Uh, that was like kind of like the first season where it started off like my Leaf fandom, I guess. I don't know, like where I started watching them really a lot. So, yeah, that's why they're my favorite team. Some favorite moments of the year. Obviously, we got to go back to the preseasons where the Maple Leafs and the Sabres had a tilt that John Scott instigated a fight. Line brawl between Phil Kessel, Tyler Bozak, and I forgot the other player was. That was the slashing incident, right? Where yes. David Clarkson came off the bench and got suspended, right? Yeah, yeah. A yeah. lot of players were disciplined. Phil Kessel was suspended for the rest of the preseason. I am pretty sure John Scott and Zenon Kanopka were suspended for the rest of the preseason. We're not going to see much of those names in the NHL because that those players are extinct. But <laughs> David Clarkson is also extinct as well. He got suspended for, I think... The rest of the preseason and five games in the regular season. So he did not make his Leafs debut in, uh, I guess it was the mid-October, he made his Leafs, de- Leafs debut. Jonathan Bernier got in the first goalie fight since I think Felix Potvin did, so that was pretty cool. Anyways, in that season I also attended the 2014 Winter Classic game between the Red Wings and the Leafs at the Big House. Probably the greatest game I've ever been to. There was the most fans at a game in NHL history in the Winter Classic. Obviously Bozak won the game in the shootout with his uh, shootout winning goal on Jimmy Howard. And then another game I attended, it was the fifth last game of the regular season. Nazem Kadri scored the overtime goal versus the Boston Bruins in a tight game versus the Boston Bruins. Uh, the Bruins had to make the, were already in the playoffs, but the Leafs had to make the playoffs after they lost nine straight games. So that was a big win for the Maple Leafs club. Obviously, they didn't make the playoffs. But again, I think this was a season where I really remember every game, every minute of every game, every play that happened, every goal that happened. Uh, there was a lot of scrutiny on the Leafs this year because they finished the season horribly horrid. And I just, I don't know. I, I don't know why I love this team so much. But again, 
guys like Phil Kessel, James and Reeves, like Mason Raymond made it a lot of fun for me to watch Leaf games every uh, every game that year. So, yeah, that's why I like them. I do remember that season pretty, pretty vividly as well. That's a good pick, Thomas. Um, I'm going to start off with the most recent team that I picked. Uh, that's going to be the 2009-2010 Chicago Blackhawks. That season, they finished 52-22-8. They finished with 112 points, first in the NHL Central Division and second in the Western Conference, and third in the NHL. Um, I picked this team as one of my favorites because after years of being a Leafs fan, I would have been, I think, 10 years ten, old at the ten, time, yeah. mm-hmm. or 9-10 nine, nine, years old um, mm-hmm. when the season was occurring. Um, I never witnessed a, like a deep playoff run because I was a Leafs fan for so many years, for my entire life, basically. So I decided to hop on the Blackhawks bandwagon this year during the 2009-2010 playoffs. They went on to beat the Philadelphia Flyers in Game 6 of the Cup Finals to win the Hawks' first championship in 49 years, ending the longest active championship drought in the NHL at the time. Um, And this would have been the start of a Blackhawk dynasty, dynasty. I think they won again in 2013 and then 2015. Uh, so they won a, a handful of cups within the span of five years. Um, this season, though, in tw- the 2010 Stanley Cup Finals in that game six against the Flyers, Patrick Kane scored the game-winning goal in overtime to win the cup for the Hawks. Um, and that was probably my favorite moment of that season. I remember watching it. I Because it went into overtime and I was so young at the time, like the hmm. game went really late. And I remember my dad... Um, was sleeping on the couch. He thought I went to bed. So I like snuck downstairs and I watched the end of the game. And when Patrick Kane scored, I was pretty happy. I was celebrating quietly. Uh, I didn't end up w- waking my dad up. So that that was a big moment for me. Um, I think that goal especially was very cool because in the 2010 Winter Olympics that year, um, Canada was playing the USA in the, in the finals, yeah. gold medal game. And it ended up going to overtime, right? And Sidney Crosby scored a game-winning goal in overtime against the USA, which Patrick Kane was on that team that ended up losing to to Crosby and um, Team Canada in the uh-huh. gold medal game. And Patrick, Patrick Kane's goal in game six of the Philadelphia Flyers um, Stanley Cup final in this series was almost identical to... Sidney Crosby's goal, which he yeah. witnessed from the losing bench in um, 2010 gold medal game. So that was kind of cool, I remember. Um, this would have been the 2019 season when the Blackhawks won the cup in 2010 would have been the first of many cups for like a lot of great players like Patrick Kane, uh, Jonathan Taves, Brent Seabrook, uh, I think Duncan Keith, Patrick Sharp, mm-hmm. uh, a handful of great, great NHL players. Uh, Jonathan Taves ended up winning the Conn Smythe that year, and he became the second youngest captain to win a Stanley Cup yep. at 21 years old. Year, years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Sidney Crosby was the first or the youngest captain to uh, do that the previous season. Uh, Duncan Keith won the Norris Trophy that year. The leading scorer in the regular season for the Blackhawks that year was pretty low. It was Patrick Kane with 88 points. Mm-hmm. Anthony Niemi was their starter that year, and <laughs> Montreal legend Cristobal Huey was their backup. Oh my god, two Montreal legends you got there. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. Him. Yeah. Um. Anyways, and then Joel Quenville was their head coach last season. He's probably one of the head coaches of all time, just because mm-hmm. he was a huge part of the Blackhawks dynasty yeah. from 2009 to to 20. What was it? 20 Blackhawks. 2016. 20. I would say 2016. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's why they're my favorite team because. 
this was the one team that I hopped on their bandwagon at the right time, and they ended up winning the cup that year. So, yep. All right, so now back to me. So my second pick that I got here is the 2013-2014 LA Kings. They had a record of 46-28-8, and and they won the Stanley Cup that season. So their leading scorer during the season was Cole Pitar, 29 goals, 41 assists for 70 points. And their leading scorer during the playoffs was Cole Pitar again with 5 goals, 21 assists for 26 points. And the Conn Smythe for that year was Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7. Yep. So why do I like the Kings so much? This one specifically, not the 11-12 team. So for this one, they kind of came into the season as cup contenders, but they finished, I think, 7th or 8th in the West. Like, they barely made the playoffs like they did when they won the cup in 2012. So people were thinking that they were fatigued and they weren't mm-hmm. going to kind of have a run like that because the year before they lost to the Blackhawks in five games in the West final, I think. Yep. That's when Kane got a hat trick, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Like that. so people were thinking they were coming into the season fatigued, like they weren't going to make a run. And it, 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 it people were thinking that pretty early when they were down 3 nothing to the San Jose Sharks in the first round. And it looked like they were going to get swept right out of the playoffs in the first round. And the best series ever happened when the Kings reverse swept the Sharks and won in seven games in San Jose and absolutely embarrassed them on home ice. That was probably one of the best series I've ever watched in my life. Just, it was so back and forth. Even the games the Kings lost. Like, they only, like, got blown out, I think, once during those three losses. Mm -hmm. So, it was a pretty tight series for the most part. And then, once game four came, they won game four. It was just, like, they didn't look back. Like, they just killed the Sharks every other game. And then people, they shut people up pretty quickly that they were done. Yeah. And then... Even in the next round versus the Ducks, the Ducks were favored to win that series because the Ducks were cup contenders as well. And then I remember Gabrick like went completely bonkers and scored like five or six goals during that series. And he was like amazing. They acquired him at the deadline that year. So he was amazing during that run. He finished the playoff run with 14 goals uh, in total. And then even in the next round against the Black Ops, game yeah. seven in Chicago... A, a rematch of the West Finals, and Alec Martinez scored a, a little bit of a wacky yeah. goal. I think it bounced. I don't. I don't remember who it bounced off. It might have been Seabrook. Nick Letty. Yeah, Nick Letty. Yeah. So it bounced off Nick Letty. Went in, and just like that, the Kings were back in the finals. And then, of course, I mentioned Justin Williams. He won the Conn Smythe. He had twenty five points during the playoff run, and he was kind of like exiting his prime. And he was still putting up a lot of points. And in Game 7, I think he had a goal and an assist in that Chicago win. I'm not really sure. But he was massive in the Game 7s that they did play. Yeah. And then, of course, Martinez struck again in the Stanley Cup Final, scoring at home versus the Rangers in Game 5 overtime to secure their second cup in three years. Yeah. So just that whole run in general, like they were just basically written off. And uh, during that Shark season, during that Shark series, they came back one and then just looked absolutely dominant the rest of the playoffs. So my favorite moment from that run was in game two of the finals when Drew Doughty scored that highlight reel goal when he put the puck through his legs, cut back to the middle, and then shot it right under Lundqvist's arm. And then yeah. he kind of hit Lundqvist as he was kind of going down and then was super hyped and he jumped into the boards because yeah, yeah. he knew he scored a blessed goal. So that was probably my favorite moment because Drew Doughty, like back, like even now, but like back then that was like when he was like, really like the best d in the game basically and he was so young still back then 
he was still like he already had all the hardware uh as he, i think he was like 24 or 23 when he won these cups yeah so yeah so this 2013 14 kings team i really like them <laughs> okay so my turn now i'm gonna go to my second favorite team of all time uh this is a team that lost the kings and also beat the kings in the playoffs it's the 2014-15 chicago blackhawks so this team went 48-28-6, won the Stanley Cup that this year. The leading scorer during the regular season was Jonathan Taves with 28 goals, 38 assists, and 66 points, which is very low. Uh, their leading scorer in the playoffs, though, was Patrick Kane, 11 goals, 12 assists, and 23 points. Con Smythe, winner of this Blackhawks team, was Duncan Keith, had an unbelievable playoff run, scored, out, scored I don't know how many goals. Let me, let me check. Something like... Scored three goals, 18 assists, 21 points in 23 games as a defenseman. It's pretty nuts. Uh, why was this my favorite team? Well, this Blackhawks team was, they came off a loss to the Los Angeles Kings the previous year in game seven, but they were still cup, cup, cup contenders in the Western Conference, absolutely dominant throughout all the years that they were a dynasty. Uh, this was the year Patrick King got injured. I don't know if you guys remember, but he got hit by, I think, I think it was Mike Matheson. I don't know if it was Mike Matheson or someone on the Florida Panthers into the boards. He broke his collarbone and he was out for 20 games. Yeah, I remember that. That was I just remember that too. so that 20 games was just before the playoffs. So he missed 20 straight games. Then game one, he played versus the Predators, uh, scored a goal in that game, and yeah, he kind of resurrected himself in the playoffs after a gruesome sh- shoulder injury. Uh, this team also consisted of a lot of veterans. And they acquired a lot of veterans at the trade deadline. They acquired Antoine Vermette, who was a solid piece in the playoffs. He scored many big goals. And they acquired some guy named Kimo Timonen. And Kimo Timonen was a 40-year-old. He won his first cup ever after being a long-hearted defenseman for the Philadelphia Flyers in his NHL career. He retired after the year, but he was still a Stanley Cup champion. They also acquired a guy named Andrew Desjardins. And Desjardins was a very... Uh, key piece for them and their depth for the Blackhawks through the whole playoffs. Um, some memorable moments from this team. Duncan Keith's overtime winner versus the Preds uh, got them started. Uh, that game, Scott Darling played because they pulled Corey Crawford. Scott Darling played, I think, the next two games for the Blackhawks, but then Corey Crawford found his game, then eventually started the rest of the playoffs. Uh, they swept the Wild with their eyes closed. That was the like, most lopsided series I've ever <laughs> yeah. watched. And then a long ass game two in the Stanley Cup, uh, the Stanley Cup, the Eastern Com- Western Conference Finals against the Ducks. Uh, I don't got, I don't know if you guys remember, but Andrew uh, Andrew Shaw decided that he was going to play soccer for the overtime and head butted the goal, headed yeah, butted the I puck that. into the net. I was like, oh my god, that's like the best overtime winner I've ever seen. But it, it was uh, deemed that that was illegal to put the puck into the net with your head, so that was a bummer. But then an overtime later. Uh, Brent Seabrook took a shot from the point. Marcus Kruger put it in, and that was the game two overtime winning goal for the Blackhawks. And then in the Stanley Cup Finals, Stanley Cup Finals, Antoine Vermette was a force. He scored the game winning goal in game one with I think a few minutes left to go in the third period. And then he scored another game winning goal, not in overtime, but a game winning goal in the third period in Tampa Bay again in game five to give the Blackhawks the win. And then game six was obviously nuts. I think it's one of the first teams besides the Kings in 2014 to win the Stanley Cup on home ice. So at the United Center was going bonkers and they won 2-0. Patrick Kane, obviously with the infamous one-time 
uh, shot from Brad Richards. Yeah, I remember And that. the point to Brad Richards, that was, that's an infamous goal and an infamous Selly. And obviously, Duncan Keith scored a goal. Uh, it was a really good goal. He rushed up all the whole ice. Patrick Kane passed it over to him, and he sniped it on Ben Bishop. Uh, ben Bishop was obviously injured for the whole, like, Stanley Cup Finals. His groin was in other places you didn't want to know. But, yeah, the Blackhawks won. Keith got the Conn Smythe, and they were deemed as a dynasty then. Uh, they obviously fell off a bit in the last couple of years. In the last, uh, the the next season, they lost to the St. Louis Blues in Game Seven, and they lost uh, horridly to the Predators in a sweep. The Blackhawks aren't the same uh, team as they were, but again, when they were in their dynasty years, no one could beat them, no one could stop them, and that's why I love this team. It's a good pick, Thomas. I was gonna pick. Yeah. I was debating between the the 2009-2010 Chicago Blackhawks and the 2012-2013 Chicago Blackhawks. So. Yeah. But that year was um, just as good. Uh, I'm going to take it away now. Uh, my next pick, this is in no particular order, but my next favorite team was the 2008-2009 Pittsburgh Penguins. This was such a special year for Sidney Crosby because he won his first Stanley Cup and he became the youngest captain to ever win the Stanley Cup at 21 years of age. I think he was 21 years old in 10 months, something like that. Um, anyways, this year was particularly, or this Penguins team, I mean, was particularly my favorite because they were a mid-pack team that season. And they weren't heavily favored to win the Cup that year. Uh, they went 47, 28, and 7 in the regular season with 101 points. They finished second in the Atlantic Division and fourth in the conference, and then they went on to win the Cup. So that was another reason why this Pittsburgh Penguin team is one of my favorite. Uh, their leading goal scorer that season would have been Sid the Kid. He had 109 points. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury was their starting goaltender, uh, and, and Dan Bilesma was their head coach. In the Stanley Cup Finals that year, um, the Penguins ended up facing the Detroit Red Wings, who they played the previous season before that and lost. Yep. Uh, but in the 2009 Stanley Cup Final, the Penguins came out of nowhere. Uh, they ended up beating the Red Wings in a close game seven, winning two to one. Mm-hmm. Penguins led this game all game. And they also um, were leading this game all game. Uh, they were leading two nothing going into the third period and halfway through the third period, uh, I think it was, I, I want to say it was like Louis. I don't remember who it was exactly, but someone on Detroit scored uh, halfway through the Jonathan third period. Erickson. Jonathan Erickson. That's it. I was going to say Louis Erickson, but I knew yeah. uh, he wasn't on the regular season. <laughs> <Yeah. time. laughs> Anyways, so it was two to one with like 10 minutes left of the third period. And I remember watching this game sitting on the edge of the couch because it was just so back and forth. Like it was probably the yeah. most back and forth game of hockey I have ever seen or period of hockey I have ever seen like it was just such a close game and the Penguins ended up coming through with the victory Mm -hmm. uh this was the first cup for many NHL greats on on the Penguins at the time like uh Evgeny Malkin Marc-Andre Fleury obviously Sidney Crosby yeah uh, I think Chris Letang as well yep yep Uh, a bunch of great players uh and there's a little cool fact that I found out Craig Adams was on this 2008-2009 Pittsburgh Penguins team, Pittsburgh Penguins team, and he was born in a city named Syria in a country named Brunei. Uh, don't confuse this with the country named Syria. He yeah. was the only born player to ever play in the NHL, and the first ever Brunei born player to win a cup, and the first Brunei born player to ever win multiple Stanley Cups because he won a 
Stanley Cup with the Canes back in, I think it was 2006 or maybe it was 2007. I don't remember exactly the year, but so that was kind of what I thought. Uh, I had never even heard of the yeah, country that's... named Brunei yeah. <laughs> before this, to be completely honest, but pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat, I think. But yeah, that 2008, 2009 yeah. playoffs was memorable for me and the Pittsburgh Penguins team that season was uh, special to me. That's why I picked them as one of my favorite teams. Yeah, even I remember, just a quick note, like that save that Flurry made on oh Landstrom in the last five seconds, he like threw his entire <laughs> body across the net. He's like, fuck, you're not yeah. scoring here, buddy. Yeah, I know you're the best demon of all time, but like, <laughs> or one of them, but you're not scoring. I'm winning this cup. So yeah, that was probably my favorite like moment from that final. Yeah, Yeah, Flurry. I think he only had to make like 21 saves or something in that uh, final, but man, like he made some pretty stellar saves from what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So my last team is another team from the 2013-14 season, and it's my team, the Montreal Canadiens. So they had a record of 46-28-8, and and they went to the Eastern Conference final that season. So the leading scorer during that season was Max Pacioretty with 39 goals, 21 assists with 60 points. And the leading scorer during the playoffs was P.K. Subban, 5 goals, 8 assists for 13 points. So why I love this Montreal team so much is because, like Thomas mentioned before, with the 13-14 Leafs, like another thing that was kind of we talked about before recording was that this was when the Canadians and Leafs rivalry was at an all-time high. There was so much animosity between the teams. Uh, when Colton Orr knocked out George Peros yeah. and he fell to the ice and was severely injured and basically ended his NHL career from that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was the first game of the season. Yeah. And uh, then when uh, P.K. Subban and JVR traded Jersey Selly celebrations, yeah. where they both, uh, I think Subban did it before in the game. I don't remember if they won or not, Montreal, but I remember he scored a goal at one time or from the point, and he did, like tugged at his jersey saying, with the Habs logo. Yeah. And the next game, it was in Toronto. JVR scored and did the exact same thing. I'm pretty <laughs> sure the Leafs won that game. Yeah, the Leafs won that game. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm pretty sure they won that game. Um. So, yeah, that was when the Leafs and Habs were at an all-time high. Like, they hated each other. Since then, the Leafs were shit for, like, two to three years. Montreal was beating them all the time. And now mm-hmm. the Leafs are really good. They beat Montreal a lot of the times, especially this season where Montreal only won once in the last game of the season. Yep. So that's when I think the rivalry, me and Thomas agree, that was when the rivalry was at an all-time high in our lifetime at the very least, or when we started really paying attention to hockey. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, Patretti almost scored 40 goals that year. He had 39 in 73 games. He would have been the first half to score 40 since Vincent Danfus in 1994. Holy crap. <laughs> it's Holy been a while. to show you how shit the Canadians oh. are. <laughs> Taking some shots, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and also, that was the second season of Gallagher and Galchenyuk. They were on the rise. They both had pretty good uh, sophomore seasons. Gallagher scored over 20 goals. Mm-hmm. Galchenyuk was hurt a little bit, but he was a pretty good contributor. He was only like 19 or 20. Um, and then another point during that season that was extremely memorable is it was in March. It was a game versus the Ottawa Senators at home. They were down 4-1 with less than three minutes left. And they managed to tie it up, go to overtime, and won in overtime by an all-time great <laughs> goal scorer in Francois Bouillon, who scored versus Craig Anderson and won the game. I remember that. I was, like, jumping up and down. I was like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was retarded. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, going into the playoffs, like, I think they were the 
third seed in the Atlantic Division going into the playoffs. So they faced the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. Mm-hmm. So Bishop got hurt just before the playoffs. So they had to have Lim back in net for most of the series. And he was honestly embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, Montreal swept Tampa in the first round. Pat Trady scored the game-winning goal in Game 4 with less than a minute left to secure the Canadians for a second-round playoff berth. And in that second round against the Boston Bruins, who won the Atlantic Division that season, Subban in Game 1 scored two goals. He scored one in overtime versus the Bruins. Where he kind of like threw his hands up in the air, like kind of like, come at me mm-hmm. and shit. And they did go after him <laughs> racially, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but then in Game 3, again, Subban jumped right out of the box. Lars Eller sprung him on the breakaway. Backhand forehand against Ras scored. The bell center went nuts. And he did his iconic celly with one knee with a fist bump yep. that he always does. And then during that playoff run as well and during that season, Price established himself as one of, if not the best goalie in the world mm-hmm. during that season. The next season, he won the Cons- the Hart and the Vesna Award. So this was kind of like a precursor uh, to that. And then also in Game 7 versus uh, the Bruins, it was in TD Garden. So they weren't they didn't pull the Leafs and shit themselves. They actually oh. won. Yep. Uh, we scored Pacioretty, Vanek, and Briere scored at TD Garden. They went on to face the New York Rangers in the third round. During that handshake, however, some pylon that I uh, mentioned earlier <laughs> <laughs> threatened to, to kill or do, hurt Emelin, basically, yeah. in the handshake line. Uh, that was kind of a dick move by Lucic, but whatever. And then also another memorable moment uh, was when Rene Bork scored a hat trick in Game Five at home versus the Rangers to keep the series alive. They were down three uh, one. Unfortunately, during that series, that's when Price got hurt yeah, from Kreider crashing yeah. him in Game One and hurt his knee, and he was done for the season. Tukarski stepped in. He played well, but unfortunately, he wasn't good enough to get past the Rangers. So yeah. And my favorite moment from that season, as I mentioned before, was that PK Subban breakaway goal. Like the Bell Center went absolutely nuts. I remember yeah. on my TV, I put the volume at a hundred. <laughs> so I got so hyped for it. Like I think it put him up two nothing in that game or two one. I don't remember, but it was just such a hype moment because it was. It had to be PK Subban that had to do that goal and that celly. So it was just so iconic to me as a Canadians fan. That was prime Canadian yeah. in Boston. Yeah, yeah that might have been the that was high. probably that's the biggest rivalry probably that in in hockey at least that I've ever witnessed. I think like that there was a span of like a number of years there where the Canadians and the Bruins just hated each other, and this was one of those peak years. Yep. All right. Well, now I will round up my top three uh, favorite teams of all time. It may be no surprise, but I'm a Leaf Leafs fan, if you didn't know already. Um, but we all, all Leafs fans, will never, ever forget the year that, the 2016-17 Maple Leafs season where we got the pleasure of seeing Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews debut into the National Hockey League. Uh, during this year, the Maple Leafs finished 40-27-15. They ultimately lost in the first round with the, versus the Washington Capitals. Um, their leading scorer during the regular season was Austin Matthews with a 40-goal rookie debut, 29 assists, and 69 points. Uh, their playoff leader was also Austin Matthews, four goals, one assist, and five points in that run. Why was this my favorite team of all time? And it is my favorite team of all time. is because this team had, I don't know, zero expectation ever to make the playoffs. No one would have thought that a team that finished dead last the season before would make the playoffs. 
they did. They fooled a lot of people. They fooled a lot of analysts that year. And we also can't forget that it was Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews going out party. Matthews, in his first ever game in the National Hockey League, scored four goals. I think that's the most memorable uh, debut debut in NHL history besides Ryan Paling, as uh, Joe likes to say, <laughs> for the Montreal Canadiens last year. But I think Austin Matthews topped it with four goals this game. They lost the game because they're pretty shit. And yeah, they lost 5-4 versus the Ottawa Senators. But again, debut, four goals. That's pretty damn good for Austin Matthews. Uh, this was also the year that the Leafs uh, entered their 100th season as an NHL franchise. So to do have no expectations and go to the playoffs with a bunch of rookies and young players is pretty cool, pretty special for the franchise. Um, again, as I mentioned, they, all, they ultimately lost versus the Washington Capitals in the first round. But... They won two games, and a lot of people thought they were going to get swept with the big acquisition of Kevin Shankirk of the Washington Cap- Capitals, but they ultimately won two games in that series. Another memorable moment for me is the Centennial Classic, which I attended as well, another outdoor game uh, for the Leafs versus the Red Wings. This game was cold as shit. Like, oh my God. I, like, I remember I, like, that, yeah. It was like minus like 20. Where was that one again? BMO. BMO Field. Yeah, that was at BMO. And then yeah. the Winter Classic that you mentioned before was in the Big House, right? Yep, at Michigan Stadium. And yep. this game was very cold, very, but it was a very good game. I love to watch it. Uh, Austin Matthews scored two goals, including the overtime winner, which is absolutely nuts. The whole stadium started screaming. Fireworks went off. That was very special for the franchise as well. And in the second last game of the year, something happened. Uh, Leprechaun Connor Brown scored the goal to send to the Leafs to the playoffs finally after the horrid 2013 season which everyone wants to forget forget how it ended in game seven versus the Bruins so they finally made the playoffs again they had zero expectation ever to make the playoffs because that's because when people see that a team finished last they don't really expect the team to make the playoffs in the next season could happen with New Jersey next year they have a lot of talent but this team, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, uh, we got Nikita Zaitsev, his best ever season in the NHL in his rookie year. That's pretty embarrassing because he got that long contract. Uh, JVR was a 29-goal scorer. He almost scored 30 goals. Nazem Kadri who scored 32 goals a season, so that was kind of his going out party. And this team was very special to me. They acquired guys like Brian Boyle at the deadline. Not like he's good, but Matt Martin, they signed as a free agent uh, in the season, the offseason before. But again, this team was built of a lot of young talent that proved to the league that they can make this playoffs after a year, which finishing last. So that's why this is my favorite team of all time. It's a good pick, too. Uh, my next pick is also going to be a Leafs team, um, but not a successful Leafs team. The, the previous two all-time favorite teams that I just picked were mm-hmm. – uh, both Stanley Cup winners. If you haven't noticed, 2008-2009 Pittsburgh Penguins and then 2009-2010 Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. But this team, 2007-2008 Toronto Maple Leafs, were not good at all. Uh, this team, though, was very special to me because I remember watching them. This is probably the first NHL team that I remember watching closely. Um, obviously, I grew up a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, but 2007-2008 was the season where I like really got into hockey or watching hockey, at least on TV. And this uh, this Leafs team was probably my most watched team. Uh, well, my first most watched team that I remember watching. Um, I attended my first ever NHL game that season. 
uh, that was probably my favorite moment because I remember specifically this game was on October 11th, uh, 2007, and the Leafs beat the Islanders that night 8-1, to and my favorite player, Matt Stajan at the time, scored one goal and got three assists in that victory. So that was a really special mm. night for me. Yeah. Uh, this season as well, I believe mm. this might have been, I don't remember if 2008 or after that season. I, I think it was that year, though, when I got to go into the Leafs dressing room uh, and I met a handful of play, handful of uh, Toronto Maple Leafs players. I remember, um, I don't remember who they played. I think it was Buffalo or someone, and they ended up getting smacked. <laughs> Uh, okay. Their coach, their coach at the time was Paul Maurice, and I remember Paul Maurice. Um, we were standing outside the Leafs dressing room, um, like my dad and I, and uh, we were with uh, Matt Stajan's dad because we have like family ties with Stajans. I remember we were standing outside the dressing room, and you could hear Paul Maurice was just oh. ripping the team into shreds. <laughs> like I was, I was, we were all kind of laughing out standing outside the dressing room, but man, like I just remember that so vividly. Um, anyways, so we ended up getting into the dressing room after that game. Um, I met, I don't even remember all the players that I met. I met a bunch of them. I think I met, um, Ian White was one of them. I think I met Hal Gill, um, Carlo Koliakovo. Uh, I think Alex Steen was on that team. Uh, Kyle Wellwood. It was just a handful of players that I remember meeting. Yeah. Um, so that was probably like my favorite moment hockey moment ever probably like that's every kid's dream is exactly, to go yeah, meet yeah. their favorite players uh, and their favorite team right and see their their favorite team's dressing room so that was that season was specifically memorable for me as i mentioned already they had like a bunch of players like nick antropoff bates pataglia wade oh belak uh i know thomas you'll remember those guys alex ponikarovsky yeah. remember him andrew raycroft and veza toskala were the goalies veza toskala was the starter those are two leafs legends obviously oh yeah, yeah. leafs legends legends row they have to go on i'll never forget that goal that veza toskala let in from um like the opposite i think yeah. it was against the new york islanders it was. as well yeah <laughs> uh, i don't remember who shot it but a puck was shot from the opposing team's uh like face-off circle in their own end and veza toskala let that let that uh, skippy yeah. puck right over him and, and into Lots the of net. good memories. Um, Vezza Toskala has the same birthday as me, by the way. So that's pretty really? cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. that's May pretty 20th. Cool, yeah. um, but that season, I already mentioned, the Leafs were not good at all. They went 36, 35, and 11 with 83 points, and they finished last in the NHL Northeast Division, 12th in the Eastern Conference, and I believe they were – like in the bottom five of the league that season. Uh, so they were not a good team at all, but they had a lot of sentimental value for me. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, they were the first team that I remember watching very closely and I followed on a day-to-day basis. So that's why they're one of my favorite teams of all time. And like 83 points, like it's it's bad, but it's not even that bad for... No, I know. It's not. That's teams. what I was thinking. Like the fact that they finished last in their in their division and they 80, yeah. they still had an above 500 record right yeah. like it's not like they went like 20 and like 40 or anything like yeah. that like they, like they actually had Colorado like an auto team yeah <laughs> yeah no they had like a it wasn't a good record but they had like an open record and they they finished last in the division so that, that was kind of shocking but i also forgot some matt sundin was their captain that year yeah he literally Leafs is a Leafs legend, legend. yeah like, <laughs> Everyone remembers Sundin. To, to this day, when we go to Leafs games, I know 
Joe, I don't know how many Leafs games you go to, but I know Thomas, when you go, you see Sundin jerseys everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was another player that I forgot to mention. Jason, that team. Yep. Uh, Hal Gill, Thomas Caverle, Brian oh, McCabe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, man, those are all players that I, I loved watching, uh, although they were not a great team. Yeah, well, it sometimes doesn't even matter what the team does in the regular season or how bad they are. It just matters the moments that you have watching their team. Again, you went in the dressing room. Like, that's... That's every kid's dream as a young hockey player, just starting hockey. Like that's that's pretty cool. Um, meeting, meeting your idols, especially with Matt Stage and a close friend of yours. Uh, he needs to get on the pod soon if you can get him. So yeah, that would be pretty yeah. neat. <laughs> so yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Um, do we just want to run through the teams quickly just to recap what teams we picked? Uh, Joe, we'll go with yours first. Just name them all. All right. So my first pick was the 2017-18 Washington Capitals. Second was 2013-14 LA Kings, and the third was the 2013-14 Montreal Canadiens. Mine was the 2013-14 Maple Leafs, the 2014-15 Chicago Blackhawks, and the 2016-2017 Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, My first one was 2009-2010 Chicago Blackhawks, 2008-2009 Pittsburgh Penguins, and then the last team was 2007-2008 Toronto Maple Leafs. I realized that I picked three consecutive seasons in a row. I mean, I picked two in the same season. Maybe you did for like your whole year. Okay. Yeah, yeah, from 2007 all the way to 2010. So basically what you're saying is um, in the recent like nine years of like from 2010 to present, you don't have any favorite teams from that era? No, I like close, close okay, four. I would like, say I agree with you. 2016, 2017 Toronto Maple Leafs were one of my favorite teams as well. Yeah. I didn't want to pick the same team as oh, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But those those three teams, the, the, the Leafs in 2007, 2008, the teams that I just named, yeah. were the three teams that I remember watching the closest. Exactly. Yeah. That was when I was, like, super into hockey. I remember uh, we had our old basement at the time, hmm. uh, and we had, like, carpet. And I set up the basement so I had two couches on one side as, like, boards kind of. And the other, <laughs> the other wall was all boards. Um, and I think we had like a bar and I blocked the bar off at the bottom. So like a, a ball would never go uh, under the, un, underneath the bar when I was playing mini sticks Good old age. and I would literally wake up in the morning <laughs> at seven o'clock or no, I, I guess it would have been eight o'clock. It, I would wake up at eight o'clock in the morning, play mini sticks downstairs and watch highlights on TV as Sports I was center. playing mini sticks for an hour until nine o'clock when I had to go to school. Yep. Then I would come home from school around three thirty four o'clock. And I would play more mini sticks and watch <laughs> hockey from four o'clock onwards until I had to go to one of my hockey games. So that was like prime, prime Andrew Flager yeah. <laughs> mini stick legend. Um, that was like my mini stick era. And then unfortunately, in like I think it was t- 2014, our basement flooded, and that was the end of that old basement. Oh, that we stupid rain! Remember that? Yeah, you remember yeah. that? Yeah. I remember I was in Pittsburgh that year. Um, oh, yeah, you told that me that weekend. Right? You remember that? Yeah, you told I was me in that. Pittsburgh. We were watching. I don't remember why we went to Pittsburgh that year. I think it was just my family. Like we just went for like shopping, and like my dad and I wanted to go see Pirates games mm-hmm. uh, at their at PNC Park because that, yeah. that stadium is gorgeous. Yeah, and so we were at Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, and we're we were driving home. I remember, and we drove through. I think it might have been the exact same storm that hit Toronto at the time. So when we got home, the first thing I did, obviously, was walk downstairs to go play mini sticks. And I, I was actually, well, I was like 13, 14 at the time, I think. Yeah. So I walked downstairs, turn on the TV, and all I hear when I go, like, 
step to go like um sit down on the couch just a huge like squish of water the carpet was soaked the entire corner like behind where our tv was the entire corner was just a huge puddle and that was the end of that basement (laughs) that was the end of andrew flager uh mini stick mini stick era yeah yeah. i'm a mini stick hall of famer i don't know if you know that i yeah your twitter bio tells me otherwise so (laughs) yeah there's those a lot were, of good memories. Yeah. Like I said though, those three teams were like that was prime when I like got mm-hmm. into hockey hardcore. Like I would watch it every single night basically, every single morning. Yeah. Twenty four seven. That's when I was really into hockey. So yeah. honestly, like I know we're gonna talk about the free agent stuff next week, but after that maybe we can just do hockey memories in general because it seems like we can do a whole episode about this because you have more to say. I have more to say, and Joseph probably has more to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we can talk about this for hours, probably. Yeah, but we're going to end the episode here. Uh, any last words by you two? We'll, we'll start with Joe if he has any last words. I don't know if you do. Uh, yeah, just check us out at the breakdown. We got more content coming out, especially for the MLB. Yeah. Because uh, the second half of the season starting, we're going to generate more content for that. Look forward to more articles for gambling and betting odds for MLB, CFL, and soon NFL. I know Flager and other members on our team are pumped for the NFL season. So keep checking us out on our website and follow us on Twitter at the breakdown underscore breakdown and IG at the breakdown sports. Yeah, I just want to say we're about a week and a half away from August now. And August is when NFL preseason finally hits. Um, and that's when we're going to be releasing most of our NFL fantasy football content and a lot of other NFL gambling content as well. So keep an eye out for that because we're going to have a lot of NFL content coming out for you guys. So, yeah, so follow us on Twitter, like Joe said, at the breakdown, the underscore breakdown. Yeah, that does it for episode number 24 of the N10 Puck Talk podcast. As always, I'm Thomas Vesio. Alongside me is Andrew Fliger and Joseph Russo. We will chat with you on episode 25 about the best free agent signings from 2010 to 2019. We will see you soon.